This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. I'm here to tell you right now that the Eagles are trash. Man, I hate to say that because that's my team. That's my team. Somehow they are still your NFC East champs. Still. Through all that adversity, through all the losses, through all the turnovers. And you know what's funny? They didn't even turn the ball over against the Giants. But unfortunately, the Giants didn't either. Once again, typical 2020 Eagles. In typical 2020 Eagles fashion, they had a chance to win the game in the third and the fourth quarter, but they choked. Honestly, it was kind of like it was kind of like the last game against the Giants. The Giants had a late 10-point lead, 11-point lead. The Eagles, unlike last time, the Eagles couldn't get it done. You know what I'm saying? That that drop by Fulgham sucked. Uh, we had another drop, I think, by Greg Ward or. Somebody um, was a Rager. Too many back-breaking defensive breakdowns. They could not stop their read option with Daniel Jones. They ran that into the ground because they knew we couldn't stop it. In the goal line, we couldn't stop Wayne Goldman. What, what is this? It also didn't help that they had bad field position almost the entire first half. That's why they only had three points. We started running the ball pretty well with uh, Sanders and... Scott, but then, you know what I'm saying, we went away from that. Man, the 2020 Eagles are a joke. They're in every game, but they always do something to either keep their opponent in it or lose the game. Always. It's ridiculous. Finally, we get a game where Carson Wentz doesn't turn the ball over and we still lose because we can't make any critical third down stops. We can't stop Daniel Jones from running. Man, Darius Slay got burnt by Slayton. Man, go ahead. You got to be kidding me. Can we get it together, please? The Giants have three wins now. We need to quit playing. The Eagles are 3-5-1. and one. The Giants are 3-7. and seven. And right behind us, the Cowboys in the Washington sitcom have two wins also. The 2020 Eagles are so frustrating. They have the talent to run away with this division. But yet... They have not because they are inconsistent on both sides of the ball and it's frustrating to watch. They're slowly getting healthy. They're still losing. What's going on? Man, what? Now they got Cleveland who's 6-3. and They're actually a solid team. But I'm like, you know, they could still win that game. If they can stop the run and um, make Baker throw the ball, Throw the ball a lot. I love my man Baker. That's my guy. He got a statue in Norman upcoming. He is a legend. He is a hero. He on that GOAT level mindset. But he's going against my birds. So he has to go down. He has to go down. The Eagles have to pick him off like two or three times. That's another thing. We're not forcing turnovers. We had no, we forced zero turnovers against the Giants, who always turn the ball over. They have a suspect offensive line. How do you not get to Daniel Jones more than what you actually did last week? What are we doing? Travis Fulgham only had one catch for eight yards, and it was in the first half? What? Man, please get it together, man. Tired of the losing, man. God damn. Man, speaking of Washington football, LOL Washington football, the sitcom is back. They, listen, first of all, they got down 24 to 3 because they couldn't stop Stafford from wheeling and dealing. And then they started to come back because Alex Smith wasn't turning the ball over and they were running the ball pretty effectively and getting the ball to their running backs. And sure enough, they tied the game 24-24, even though Dustin Hopkins missed another field goal. But he did make it. I'll give him credit, though. He did make it late in the fourth quarter to tie that game. So you, you got to give him credit for that. But, man, oh, man. Washington choked. You know why they choked? Because Chase Young hit Stafford late. I don't know what he was thinking. And then he got the nerve to jaw back and forth with uh, the offensive line of the Lions. Talking about do something. Do something then. Man, what? Man, sit down, bro. Y'all lost. 
And, of course, the Lions got, I guess, one more first down or maybe another first down after that. They kicked the game-winning field goal, 59 yards. Washington's out of here. Two and seven. Team trash, just like the rest of the division. And now you got the Bengals, a game, ironically, you should win, even though the Bengals have a better offense, but their offensive line is suspect, which plays into the hands of Washington football because they have a maniac pass rush and a nice uh, blitz package. Also... On defense, the Bengals are suspect. And Alex Smith has, what, two straight 300-yard games? He threw for 390 against Detroit. The Bengals' defense isn't even isn't any better. Boy, oh boy. I got the, I got Washington winning that game. They trash, but they, they, it's such a good matchup against Cincinnati. I got them winning by three, 23-20. But we'll see. If they lose, hey, it is what it is. It is what it is because LOL Washington sitcom. <laughs> just the way they lost, man. God damn. Just the way they lost is just typical Washington football. I live around here I'm from D.C., so I've seen it over and over again. Washington just do something stupid. Always doing something stupid. Always doing something to lose down the stretch. And that's what happened against the Lions. Now, what's next? Oh, but the NFC East, though, is still up for grabs. For now, see, we didn't win full circle. The Cowboys started out as the best team. Then Washington uh, was looking good after their win against us. They were leading the division. Then the Cowboys took it back. Then the Eagles grabbed the hold of the lead for a while and now it's the Giants turn because they're playing their best football we didn't win full circle but at the end of the day the Eagles are still your NFC champs and they will win the division still even though they got the toughest schedule all those teams are beatable I promise you that Carson Wentz will get it together the defense is good enough to make some stops down the stretch. So you better watch out. So you better not sleep because the Eagles can still beat your team. I do not care about Seattle and Arizona. They don't play defense. The Saints are inconsistent. The Packers are inconsistent. The Browns, the Browns can be beat. They had a suspect defense. And if we can stop the run, we maybe can force Baker Mayfield into some mistakes. And we were good. Even though Cleveland weather might not be good too either, but hey, listen, the Eagles got this. The Eagles got this. These next five games, this is the gauntlet. I call this the gauntlet. I'm telling you right now, the Eagles will win at least three of these games. I'm going to say it right now. Even though they're playing like trash, they could easily lose all five. But they're going to win three out of five, and that should be enough to seal the division. I don't care what happens against the Cowboys in Washington, but you got to beat them too, for sure. All right, so now let's get to, oh, my God, this Westbrook and John Wall trade rumor. Man, I heard this earlier in the week, Westbrook for Wall, and the whispers kept getting louder. They actually talked about it, the Rockets and the Wizards. And I'm like, you know what? That wouldn't be bad. They're similar players. They're similar players. But Westbrook but Westbrook is older, though. He's older, but he's more durable. He's older, but he's more durable. I would That would be exciting. Westbrook and Bill? That would be very exciting. And then don't let us add a, a free agent or get a, a crazy trade or something. You, you know, it'd be over then. Uh, another crazy trade. But I don't think... I don't think it's going to happen because it looked like the Rockets wanted other assets. We got a we got like two first-round picks that we just drafted, two lottery picks. I'm sure they would want one of them, and I'm sure they wanted the number nine pick. I think what happened was in order for that trade to go through, they wanted the number nine pick, which ended up being Dene Avia. I think that's how you say his name. I'm so glad the Wizards didn't give him up. That's probably what it would have took to get Westbrook. Like, Westbrook and Wall both have massive contracts. 
They both, you know, rely on their athleticism. They both shoot way too many threes. They both like proven scores. Even though Westbrook is slightly better, I would love to have him. And, you know, Westbrook played for Scott Brooks. So that will work. It's not going to happen. I mean, the the talks have quieted down now. And I don't think we're going to have to trade one of our last three first-round picks, or maybe all three of them, in order for us to get Westbrook. That's a lot. Do you really want to trade away your future? I mean, I'm cool with rocking out with John Wall and Bradley Bill because they are elite. And now we got a nice little supporting cast. We got Dene. Denny Avia or Avija, I don't know what what you how you say it, but we got him. We got <laughs> we got Troy Brown Jr. who we got uh, two years ago. We got Rui Hachimura. We got Thomas Bryant. Still got Ish Smith and and Tom, and um Jerome Robinson. Those are very solid pieces. I'm telling you, man, we can be all right. I hope we get Bertans back. That'd be a great piece. He can shoot. I'm telling you, man, you better watch out for this Wizards team. Maybe they, they might be a year away. They might be a year away, but they coming. If they don't do anything this year, next year it's over. It is a wrap. They still may be one more piece away. I, I don't know what the free agent list is looking like. I don't even know when free agency starts. But, hey, if they can get another big-time free agent, they might be. Just, they might be less than a year away. They might do something this year. But I think, man, I think they're a fringe playoff team this year. And then next year, with our role pieces growing up even more, and a healthy John Wall, God willing, and a healthy Bradley Bill, God willing, oh, we're going to take off. And we're going to make one more run in the Wall and Bill era before we have to rebuild. And if Dene Avija is really that good, it's over. It's over. Now, speaking of the NBA draft, speaking of the NBA draft, uh, man, I watched damn near the whole thing. Um, I watched the entire first round, start to finish. Barely watched the second round, actually. Yeah, let's see. The first round, what I got here. First of all, okay, the first three picks, chalk. Okay, we knew LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards. We've been talking about them top three. For like the past year or so. We didn't know who was going to be number one. But it looked like Anthony Edwards was going to be the one. So that's who Minnesota picked. They say he's the next D-Wade. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to have to watch more. I need to see more. Anthony Wiseman. I heard trade rumors surrounding him. You know what I'm saying? The Warriors just lost Klay Thompson. I'll talk about that later. So you need all the help you can get. So you might as well keep them unless someone really wows you with a trade offer. And then number three was LaMelo. I, I knew once the Warriors and Timberwolves didn't pick LaMelo Ball, and I think I heard the day before that MJ, Michael Jordan, okayed the LaMelo Ball pick. I was like, he's going to Charlotte. Once I heard James Wiseman was going to the Warriors, I was like, LaMelo's going to Charlotte. He's definitely going to Charlotte now. And sure enough, he did. If this kid is as good as advertised, he's going to be Charlotte's new franchise player. Or I hope it don't go like it did in 2K where I picked LaMelo Ball in the lottery, but it turned out he didn't really do anything for like five years when I paired him up with like um, – Andre Drummond and Darius Garland. Once I paired him with that and gave him uh, Laurie Markkinen and that supporting cast, that's when LaMelo Ball started taking off. So, hey, Charlotte's rebuilding. So they, they'll, you know what I'm saying, they'll put the right, right pieces around him, hopefully. So then this is where it gets interesting. Patrick Williams at number four? What? So they passed over Dene Avija, who, thank God he fell to the Wizards, Obi Toppin, Killian Hayes, all these people, you pick Patrick Williams. You you didn't even pick Big O. Big O. I, I, Oneka, right? Oneka. Yeah. You know, the guy who played with the Ball family back at Chino Hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't pick him either? So he went to the Hawks. Just another person, Trey, uh, Trey Young. 
Trey Young is going to lob it to. It's a wrap. Oh, my God. I know they ain't talking about no fantasy football trade. Oh, my God. Bro, bro, my fantasy football league with my friends, bro, is driving me insane. With my college friends, they are going hard with the trades and all this, man. And I'm sitting up here like, God damn, enough already. I'm 2-8. and eight. I don't care anymore. I'm satisfied with my team. I don't care about your little trades. I'm not trading any more people. Man, whatever, man. I'm getting off on a tangent. All I know is, hey, listen, I'm so glad. See, once I saw that Atlanta took Big O and that Okoro went to the Cavs, once I saw that, I was like, okay, the Wizards not going to get them, so now it's going to be between Obi Toppin and Dene Avija. And they got, okay, I was like, whoever the Knicks take, the Wizards will take the other person. So the Knicks took Obi Toppin. He's a local New York guy who played for Dayton. He's box office. But it would have been cool to have him in D.C. because he used to kill George Washington. It would have been cool, but nah, it didn't happen. We got Dene Avija, and he apparently is another, like, he's a stretch four maybe, a, a three. And, you know, he got a little bit of a... Luka Doncic in him a little bit a little bit but he's like a Luka Doncic Tony Kukoc that's great if he lives up to his potential he he might be that third star we need in the to end the Wall and Bill era and we're going to make a run and then when Wall and Bill leaves we can build around him and then we can get some more pieces to build around Dene I like it Jalen Smith I realize he's a local his draft party was in Columbia, and he went to Merlin, but we didn't pick him. It's okay, because Dene, no one expected Dene to be there at number nine, and he has some star power, so, you know, we might as well. So, other things happened in the first round. Oh, yeah, Stephen A. had some weird reaction to Obi Toppin getting drafted. He was like, damn, damn, damn. Because he wanted a guard. Because, you know, the, the running joke with the Knicks. It was like, oh, they got a million power forwards. They got a million power forwards. They need guards. Obi Toppin had to have been the top. Uh, not the top. But the highest person on their board. You got to take him. You got to take him. He's he's amazing. He, he's amazing. Like, he, he has that star power. You know what I'm saying? He's box office. Yeah, I take. I think Stephen A will be fine with it once he start playing and start balling out. Stephen A will be fine with, it. and he's gonna get better. Oh, another thing about the top three pick, Anthony Edwards. See, Anthony Edwards, there are some rumors that he not really into basketball, that he's more into football and rap. I hope that isn't true. I hope he's committed, and I hope he balls out. You know what I'm saying? But if it turns out, if that turns out to be true, damn, that's a waste of a pick for Minnesota. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be like, you could have had LaMelo. You could have had you could have James Wiseman. Man, there's a lot of places you could have went. But, you know, let's just say, best case scenario, Anthony Edwards is not is not only into basketball, still in it, and has a love for the game, but he's a star in the make. That would be great. We'll see. Now, other things in this first round – uh, Celtics got some good role players. Peyton Pritchard, a solid, solid guard from Oregon. He's going to be a nice backup guard, you know, like a, a Caruso type or a, uh, or a Van Vliet before he begins starting. You know, something like that. And then you got you got Aaron Neesmith, who's supposedly the best shooter in the draft. That's good because, it's, I mean, in today's NBA, you got to shoot, you got to space the floor. If you got another player like that, to come off the bench and knock down threes. That just makes their team more dangerous. Uh, I kind of knew they were going to get him. Some guy that's going to come in right away and be a nice role player on a good team. That 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 makes sense. That makes sense. So now the Pistons. The Pistons got three first-round picks. They traded to get two of them. Uh, they got Killian Hayes, who's number seven. That was the original pick. Then they got Sadiq Bey. He's like a power forward center, I believe. Then, then they got Isaiah Stewart. Like, 
They're trying to build another young core. I mean, I get it. The rebuild's got to be on, man. Blake Griffin ain't going to be there that long. Derrick Rose ain't going to be there that long. I think they would. Would they? Christian Wood? I mean, is he a superstar? Is he a star? Is he even an all-star? I mean, it, the team wasn't that damn good. So you might as well get your young nucleus in there and get the ball rolling. Just saying. You got Cole Anthony going to the Magic. That was the Magic's only pick. You got someone that's supposed to have been a lottery pick, but he battled all these injuries. Oh, man, that might be what they've been looking for. Because remember when Trey Young was coming out and the Magic fans really wanted him and stuff? You know, they got somebody who's pretty good now. They got they got that all-star guard that they wanted and needed. I mean, they already was in the playoffs last year. So now they got now they got a solid solid rookie that that might start right away. So, hey man. And Spike Lee was at his draft day party. That was pretty cool. And Tyrese Maxey could score. Kind of alarming that he only shot 29% from 3. That's kind of alarming, but you know, he got potential star power and he's going to be a really good guard, a really good fit. He's not afraid to take shots. He could be at best could be like damn near AI level of a of a score for the Sixers if he gets better and and gets and you know gets to that level. We'll see. I mean, I like that pick. That was cool. Uh let's see. Oh my god. OKC with all these trades. I'm probably behind already. But let's go through all these OKC trades. This is how I was started. So the first thing they did was the Chris Paul trade. They traded him for Ubre Rubio and a 2022 first round pick. Also, Ty Jerome and Jalen Lecky. I don't think that's his name, but whatever. Anyway, that was a big trade. They traded Chris Paul to Phoenix for all those pieces. Boom. They traded Dennis Schroeder to phoenix no not phoenix they traded him to la you know i think the lakers are losing rondo so i think that's an upgrade but that's just my opinion dennis Schroeder is an upgrade to me but they traded him for danny green then they flip danny green and terrace ferguson to philly for al horford which has caused anna horford to get back on my radar, and she's going to be mentioned a lot after this. <laughs> Very soon, I'm going to talk a lot of Anna Horford. But it started because of that trade. You know, uh, OKC finally got Al Horford, and they traded Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson. They traded Oubre to Golden State after getting him from Phoenix. Then they traded Rubio and pick number 25 and 28 to Minnesota for the 17th pick. Bro, they are on a roll. Bro, did I say that? Did I? Um. Oh, my God, man. So many trades. So many trades. They got Al Horford, though. I don't know how long Al Horford's going to be there. He might be there. I don't know if he starts the season with OKC. They might trade him, too. They might flip him somewhere else. Now, I think he stays. But then I don't know how long he's going to be there after that. Uh, we'll see, man. OKC wildin', bro. They they doing all these trades. They traded arguably their two best players. So they traded them, got some draft picks. Their number 17 pick was Alexic Suvetsky. Man. Well, okay. So he's a seven-footer that can shoot, run the floor, playmaker, yeah, your European style big man. Be a nice compliment to Horford and Adams off the bench. But I think he's getting traded. That's crazy. I think he might get traded. No, 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 no. They traded their second round pick, right? To the Wizards for Cassius Winston. And now the Wizards got Cassius Winston from Michigan State. So that's another OKC trade. And Cassius Cassius Winston went on the Grant and Danny show. Seemed like a great guy. He came to D.C. and won the East Regional against Zion and, and R.J. Barrett and them. Wow. Proven winner. Worst case scenario, he's a two-way player that's out of the league in three years. Best case scenario, he basically secedes John Wall whenever that era is over. 
that's the best case scenario that he ends up being our starting guard in like three or four years. That'd be great. Uh, we'll see. He's probably a two-way player, but we'll see. I'll probably see him over there at uh, St. E's uh, with the D.C. Go-Go. I'll probably see him over there before I see him on the floor for the Wizards. But whatever, whatever. Glad to have him. But OKC, oh, my gosh, so many trades. Man, Sam Presti, man. Remember now, remember now, he took, Sam Presti took OKC from being straight garbage to end the finals in 2012 with um, Westbrook, Harden, and Durant. So he's trying to engineer something else. Oh, my God. It's on, baby. The rebuild is on, and I think OKC is going to be fun to watch these next five to ten years. They already made the playoffs with Chris Paul. Man, get out of here, bro. Just keep watching. So now it's time for The Sooner Schooner. It's time for Bedlam, baby. It's time. It's that time of year, baby. Every year, usually results in an OU victory. I was at the last game that Oklahoma State won, and it wasn't fun. It hurt. I only seen Oklahoma State beat OU twice. I was at one of them, and then the 2011 one I watched in the student union, and that was an ass whooping. But it's okay. Let's not talk about the losses. OU has won what six straight, five straight in this series. They are what 87 and 18 in this series. Oh man, I just love beating up on little brother, little bro in them. So, I love beating up on them, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, this is a big game. The winner of this will most likely be in the Big 12 championship. Most likely. So, we, we got to win this. OU has got to win this, for sure. I mean, well, hey, hey. After this, I mean, it ain't easy. We got Baylor and West Virginia after this. Um, Not cakewalks, but they're definitely winnable games. So, and they're definitely not as good as Oklahoma State. So, here we go. So, you got Spencer Sanders versus Spencer Rattler. Spencer Sanders' stats aren't as good as I thought. I think he missed a game or two. But still, his stats are kind of head-scratching. I don't got them on me, but they're definitely not as good as Spencer Rattler, who has thrown for, like, 15 touchdowns. Spencer Sanders only thrown, like, seven. Uh, let's see. I say we get Spencer Rattler running because I think his name is Will Howard, the backup quarterback for Kansas State. He was destroying Oklahoma State with that read option. I know it's pretty much part of Kansas State offense, always has been, but he was killing them, bro. He was just busting loose, bro. He had, he had this one long run where it looked like he was going to – Go all the way. Like, it looked like a 60, 70-yard touchdown, but the safety caught him. Then he had another one where he broke loose. He, I think he scored two touchdowns on the ground. We got to get him running. We can run the ball a little bit on Oklahoma State, even though, you know, they, they have pretty solid run defense. But the fact that Kansas State was getting all them yards on them and they shut them out in the first half, that's crazy. But look, man. Of course, you got to look out for Chuba Hubbard, 581 yards, five touchdowns. He's 26 in the country in rushing touchdowns. Uh, his backup, L.D. Brown, he's like, he's 5'9", I think 240. It's just really solid. He looked bigger than 5'9". He looked taller than 5'9". But I like the way he runs, and he runs with such power and, and bursts through the hole, and he got some moves, so... You know, when Chuba Hubbard is out or whatever, he's someone you gotta look, you gotta look out for too. So hey, man, I'm telling you, this team is gonna be tough. I mean, most most bedlams I've seen have been close. No matter how good or bad one team is or the other team isn't, it usually isn't any blowouts. Usually it's not. Usually it's close down to the wire, fourth quarter, and I expect nothing different here. I think um, 
But, you know, OU kind of pulled away last year. They pulled away in Stillwater, I think it was 2015 or 2016, something like that. Hey, we got to have this one, bro. We got to have this one. So you got to look out for Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner. They're two senior receivers, especially Tylen Wallace. He's good with them jump balls. I've seen it. You know, he runs great routes, but... He's 5'11", but he played bigger than 5'11", from what I've seen. So, Tylen Wallace has 35 receptions, 588 yards, which is 20th in the country, and four touchdowns. Man, Marvin Mims have seven touchdowns, and that is tied for, like, 11th. Yeah, that's tied for 11th in the country with uh, seven TDs. So, the thing is, though, OU is still allowed less than 100 yards a game uh, rushing, but Oklahoma State rushes for 190 yards a game. I mean, they got to do something. They only pass for 220 yards a game, and OU passes for 390. So it's like, yo, they got solid defense, solid run game. They could definitely make this low scoring. They could definitely, they're definitely built to keep OU's offense off the field. They got the best pass defense in the Big 12. They only allow 190 passing yards a game. Um, Yeah, 169. Good Lord. That's crazy, especially when we throw for damn near 400 a game. It's going to be, you know, what style wins out. Is it going to be the run hard, uh, tough defense, or is it going to be the air raid, the air raid running gun, nice pass rush. Is it going to be the, the, the run and shoot or the ground and pound? Hey, we'll see, man. But I think this is going to be close. I think this is going to be close because, you know, that, that mullet man, the mullet man, uh, Mike Gundy, he always got something up his sleeve. He always have his teams well prepared against OU. So I expect the game's in Norman. But it's still going to be close. It's still going to be tough. I got 31-30 OU, even though a lot of people got OU winning by 7 or maybe 10. I got OU winning by 1. I think it's going to come down to the wire. College game day is in Norman. I wish I was there to see it. But, hey, uh, tickets are going for freaking $170. But Bedlam is always expensive. So what else is new? Yo, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. You know, I'm still pretty much in quarantine so i ain't gonna go nowhere so i cannot wait to you know get my dinner sit back relax and watch this game man for sure so now and we're off the sooner schooner let's get to make that make sense could somebody please make it make sense could somebody please make it make sense so the steelers and the jaguars the Jaguars for the second week in a row on Make That Make Sense. Yeah. So usually it's the Jaguars, the Jets, or the Bengals. That's usually who's on Make That Make Sense. So the Jaguars are on here for the second week in a row. Last week, they almost pulled off the upset. They only lost by four. Now, what I notice is they um they held the Packers scoreless in the first quarter and the third quarter. They also forced two turnovers. That one of them led to a key score that let them take the lead in the third quarter. So, you know, if they can play that solid of a defense against another really good offense with um, Ben Roethlisberger and a load of receivers, you know, we talking about Juju, Claypool, uh, Washington, DeAndre Johnson, Oh, I think that's his name. Number 18, right? Yeah. If they can play that solid defense that they did last week, this week, they'll be fine. And force turnovers. And another thing that helped them was Keelan Cole had that blazing, dazzling uh, kick return, punt return, where he stutter step and <laughs> he had the punter doing a dance move. Oh, my God. That, you know, their defense and special teams really kept them in it because Jake Luton, I mean, he only threw for 77 yards after three quarters. They weren't doing nothing. And James Robinson had over 100 yards rushing. So they did what big underdogs should do. They ran the ball, they played solid defense, and even their special teams showed up. 
So they can do that again against Pittsburgh, and they need to put pressure on Ben Ben Roethlisberger. I think the thing about the Cowboys, how they almost beat the Steelers, because they was gonna make this make sense in a similar situation. A big home underdog. I mean, on defense, I mean, on offense, they didn't really turn the ball over. Well, at least at first, they were aggressive. And they were getting the Steelers off the field on third and fourth down. And that is key. And I think that's what they was doing against the Packers. If they can do that against the Steelers, this time they're at home. They had to go to Green Bay. And they almost won that game. So now they're at home. Man. Let's see. Let's see. You know what I'm saying? This might be a seven-point game, but I still think the Steelers are going to win. Yeah. So, listen, bro. Listen. Now let's get to some quick takes. I can't believe we're here. So, Clay Thompson is hurt. Clay Thompson tore his Achilles. And this has, like, John Wall written all over it. This looks like the John Wall situation. Your man gets hurt, towards ACL. He's battling back. He's finally able to look like he was going to be able to come back. Then he tears Achilles. And now he's out another year. It's so unfair, but it, it happened to John Wall, too. He's just coming back from knee injury, then Achilles. I mean, it's just tough, man. I feel so bad for Klay Thompson, man. I'm sure he was ready to come back. And we was ready to see him. Along with his uh, partner in crime, Steph Curry. We were ready to see what he was going to do, but now he's out. And um, maybe that's why Golden State traded for Oubre. And that's why they should keep James Wiseman. They still got a solid team. They still got a solid team. I don't know what they're going to do with Wiggins. They still got a solid team, and they got a great coach. So they're, they're not out of it. It's going to be tough. Tougher. Now they don't have Clay. Um, but they they still could do something. Anna Horford versus Philly. Philly versus Boston fans. I cannot get enough of this. I just be just stalking Anna's Twitter page because she will not shut up about the situation. That girl is feisty. That girl is feisty, and she does not quit. She does not quit. She does not back down from anybody. You know, <laughs> oh, my God. She posted a picture. She posted a picture of all the harassment that she's been receiving since Al Horford got traded from Philly to OKC. Because, oh my God, Sixers fans all year have been complaining about Al Horford's play. And I'm sure anytime Anna says something, you have some Sixers fan like, oh, your brother's awful. Oh, your brother sucks. Oh, your brother's overpaid. I'm sure she's tired of hearing that. Of course, she's going to, you know, speak out about that. You're attacking her brother. But then again, Philly fans don't like that she um, attacked the city in response. And she just kept doing it. And she went even harder when Al got traded. She said, I'm glad I don't have to pretend to F with Philly anymore. You know Philly fans went ballistic. And some of the, some some Eagles fans I follow, like Terry Lynn and uh, Winsylvania, I don't know, I forgot her real name, but and then this guy, this Darius Slay fan, just just going in, bro. They going at it. I feel bad, man. I feel bad because I don't want to pick a side, man. I love my Eagles fans. They are awesome. Yeah, 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 they go a little far sometimes with the harassment and just all the nonsense they be doing on the side. Just how they treat the players sometimes. I know they be going a little bit too far sometimes, but I love them, man. They're some of the best fans in the world. Like, seriously, I love my fellow Eagles fans. They're going to tell you like it is, and they're not going to be nice about it. A lot of them not going to be nice about it. But... See, see, that's why, you know, maybe there are little similarities between Anna and Philly fans. You know, they're, they're both passionate. They're both going to tell you how they feel no matter what. They don't expect you to like them. And it's just, it should have been a match made in heaven, but 
Al wasn't playing well, so Philly fans ain't trying here. And the, the crazy thing is, Anna keeps going. I spend too much time on this topic, man. It's just, it just fired me up. And of course, you know, she shows her love for Boston, and Boston shows her love back. So now it's a Philly first Boston thing. Like, what what city is better? What fan base is better? What fan base is you know, worst behaving or best behaving. It's just all been entertaining. And then I know Anna said something on Twitter. She said, it's because I'm hot, ain't it? Well, maybe. I mean, you are hot. But damn, bro. <laughs> I mean, man, I've just enjoyed every tweet, every back and forth. Uh, it's going to go on for a while. You know what I'm saying? As long as Anna's voice, voice, um, voiceful. And loud about defending her brother, Philly fans gonna be on her tail. I don't know because some of those tweets didn't get that much engagement, but for the most part, Philly fans they'll they'll mess with her, and she'll mess with them. It what I'm learning as an adult is the energy you give to people, you're gonna receive right back. You give negative energy, you're gonna receive it right back. And it works on both sides. They weren't nice to her. The fans weren't nice to her brother. She was never nice to them back. She disrespected the city. They disrespected her. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, I, the harassment, I mean, come on. The harassment's going too far. I, even even a lot of Philly fans don't condone the harassment and the death threats. But I think the consensus is their brother, her brother didn't work out in Philly. And they're, gl- they're glad he's gone because to take his big contract off the books and now maybe they can win some more games without this guy holding them back and they got a new coach. So things are looking up to Philly fans, Philly Sixers fans. It's entertaining. It's all entertainment. Hey, (laughs) man. Oh, man, it's like that guy say, I forgot his name, but it's only entertainment. (laughs) It's only entertainment. Oh, man, I forgot his name. It'll come back to me, like always. Uh, Jaden Hardy is a beast. I've seen some YouTube clips. Remember I was talking about that last game with Bronny James? You know, the game that came after Chet Holmgren versus Imani Bates? That was CBC versus Arenado, and it was a star-studded game. They only not only had Bronny James, but you had, uh, I think, Amari Bailey. He's a junior that's, like, number three in the country. He's a really good point guard. He got handles. He can shoot. Um, You got Jaden Hardy. That was the guy I was trying to think about that was going against Bronny. Man, I done forgot so many names from that game, but Jaden Hardy, Amari Bailey, Bronny James, they're they're all going to be stars. They're probably all going to be in the NBA. Jaden Hardy, 6'5". He had 39. He had seven threes. He can shoot. He got long arms. Uh, he can get to the rim. I, there was a play where he got past his defender, dribbled past two more defenders, and then laid it out past another defender. This guy, he's going to be a star. He's split between college and pros. Either either way, if he goes to Kentucky, he go to G League. Either way, he's going to be nice, and he's going to be in the NBA. So, you're going to hear that name again, Jaden Hardy. Trust me. Uh, Seahawks win. They won last night. It was another good game that came down to the wire. And, of course, a big defensive play ended the game just like last time. Uh, this time it was um, Carlos Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap that came from the Bengals. Remember that story? Oh, man. He came from the Bengals and showed out. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Good win for the Seahawks. They take control of the division. Don't be surprised if Seattle and Arizona play each other again in the playoffs. And I hope Kyler Murray is okay because he had the little shoulder thing. All right, let's get to the CFP real quick. My crush's favorite poll. I do this every 10 episodes. This is episode 70, so, you know, I did it episode 50, episode 60, now episode 70. And, you know, every 10. So here we go. Here we go. Honorable mention. I'm going to add Soul Beautiful Me. Raquel, Lakers fan, lover. Um, so you got Keita Rain from Instagram. You got Coffee, the battle rapper. 
Megan Tonges, Live Sexy, New Jersey from Twitter, Jillian Griffin from Giant. She does the little classes online that, you know, the Wellness DC one, uh, Fit DC classes on Zoom. You know, I like her. She's cool. Uh, you got Adrian, who's on my radar again. I love her fleets, love her tweets. We've been following each other for a while, you know. You know, part of the Sooner MILF brigade, just saying. So she's Scorpio on Twitter or Taco Tits Day, Sooner Witch, whatever. Like, she got those Twitter names. Kim Sandy, a.k.a. Lightskin Kim on Instagram. So that's the honorable mention. I think I'm missing some people, but whatever. It's honorable mention. Coming at number 10, Vixen the Assassin, the battle rapper. Great rapper. uh, Great battle rapper. Love her delivery. Love her aggression. And she's fine. Huge booty. (laughs) Uh, Number nine, Kaylin Sooner Girl. Sooner Milf Brigade. That's all I know. Uh, Eight. Chine Agumake, love her on Chine Angolic, always looks amazing. Uh, number seven, D Chanel, big time YouTuber, does reaction videos. I love her. <laughs> I love her. Uh, number six, 40 Bars, uh, another hot female battle rapper. Man. Um, She lost. She did lose against Official, but she looked great doing it. You you should have seen what she was wearing, bro. Oh my god. Uh she beat Surf, another battle I saw. She looked amazing in that battle too. So yeah. Neely Jackson, you know, one of my big brother uh favorites. Big brother to show. Uh been following her since twenty sixteen. Love her. She's very political, but I love her. Sammy OT two K from Instagram. She bad. She's a pog. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Anna Horford, all the way up from pretty much unranked to number three. Love following her on Twitter. Always hot. Always feisty. Always a great fo- follow on Twitter. She's number three. Joy Taylor, the the queen of Fox Sports 1. She got a legion of simps. I'm, I'm a borderline jo- Joy Taylor simp, but she looks great. She looks great. She's knowledgeable about sports. She's a great personality. She got her own podcast. She got her own YouTube. She cool, man. She cool. Uh, number one, Feminisa Jones. She's it's gonna be tougher to move from that first spot. Um, yo, she thick. She's a great write, very talented writer. She's definitely born to write. Uh, she writes books. She writes blogs. She writes articles. I follow her on Patreon. Uh, had to dial back on following her on Instagram and Twitter because I'm like, this this woman's amazing. I, I can't. I, I I'm gonna be obsessed. I need to. I need to distance myself. <laughs> All right, man. So that's the crush's favorite poll. Uh, you know that was fun. That was fun. Uh, the next one's coming in another ten episodes, which will probably be sometime beginning of the year so i'm I'm thinking about making an extended one just for fun but i probably won't put it on here you know what i'm saying all right so now the kbo so you got the korean series and it's 2-1 doosan uh doosan just won today they just won today seven to six i didn't start watching to the sixth inning and apparently um the last NC Dino score was like the fifth inning, maybe the fourth inning. The pitching in this series has been a disappointment. Flexing Alicantra, uh, Ruzinski, who, who else? And, and Coach Chang Mo and, you know, uh, Chris Flexen, they all giving up runs. And then the bullpen not really helping them either. Uh, Kind of surprising, but it is what it is. Uh, game one, NC Dinos, it was a back and forth, but NC Dinos had some, some clutch hits, uh, down the stretch and they won by two. I think they won five, three, uh, was it seven, five? Um, all I know is NC Dinos won game one. 
I kind of expected that. They won 5-3, yeah. Um, game two, this is where you had – see, game one, it was Rosinski versus Alicantra. That was an elite pitching matchup. But, you know, those guys did okay, but they weren't, like, setting the world on fire. Um, game two, you had Flexen versus Ku Chang Mo, uh, Chang Mo Ku. That was another really elite pitching matchup, especially with Chris Flexen just flexing <laughs> this entire postseason. And even this game, he only gave up one run. But the surprise is Chang Mo Ku giving up like three runs. That's crazy. And he gave up a home run. I think in game two, uh, my man Fernandez. Jose Miguel Fernandez, he had a home run. I mean, just crazy, man. See, yeah, he had a home run. He was two for four that game. So, Dusan took that one. They took that one. See, but the crazy thing about that game, too, is that Dusan, Dusan was up 5-1 in the ninth inning, and NC Dinos made a furious rally. Aaron Altair had a big uh, RBI. He had a big RBI um Double, I think. Yeah. He had a big RBI double. Single. Yeah. And then, uh, Jin Sung Kang had an RBI. So, hey, man, that was... They almost had it. They almost had it. But they fell short. And then the game I watched today from the sixth inning on, it's back and forth. They were getting runners on base. In the, I think it was... The seventh inning, I think it was the seventh inning. The, the big play of the game was um, Kim, J-Ho Kim, J-Ho Kim from Doosan. He had a big seventh inning single, and he put his hand up in the air, and I was like, damn, they got him. <laughs> oh, and another thing about this game, they had some long replay review where um, the ball hit the batter's foot, and they, they called it a foul. And they was wondering how to apply the rule, and and the they was wondering should they kick out the manager because they got some rule that if the manager comes out to challenge the the call, he's automatically ejected. Man, it was just a lot of nonsense. Took 15 minutes. ESPN producers were probably pissed. Man, but at the end of the day, Dusan held on. Uh, Altair didn't do anything at the end, and. Some bomb nah didn't do anything at the end. And they just flamed out. NC Dinos just flamed out. And now they're down 2-1. And they kept repeating the stat that the winner of game three of KBO wins 93% of the time. Doosan has the ability to take this series, but I don't think it's over. NC Dinos are too talented. They've been the best team all season. This this is going seven. I'm pro I promise you. This is going seven, and I think NC Dinos is going to take it. 93%, but I'm telling you right now, NC Dinos, they not going away. They're way too talented. I'm telling you. Just got to stay tuned. Uh, game four is tonight. It started midnight. I actually might stay up and watch this. I might. We'll see. We'll see. I don't got nothing to do tomorrow, technically. So I can probably get away with watching that game tonight. And if I don't, I mean, I'll just watch the highlights. <laughs> oh, man. Now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. And once again, my girl, Anna Horford, is featured in this. Uh, Did some crazy thing where I had to do Anna versus Philly in some, in some form of capacity. So the best I came up with was Anna Horford versus the Sixers mascot in a game of 2K. <laughs> in a game of 2K. So, of course, the Sixers mascot has the Sixers, of course. And Anna Horford, in this case, you know, you could give her Boston because she loves Boston. But I gave her OKC because Al just got traded there, and OKC looks very different. No Chris Paul, no Dennis Schroeder. They still have Shy Gilgis Alexander. They still have Luingen's Dort. They still have uh, they still have Steven Adams. But uh, here we go. And they got Danilo Gallinari, who did very good in this hypothetical. 
So here we go. Uh, the mascot's name is Franklin, and he looks like a dog. <laughs> Ayo, that's crazy. Oh, my God. Whatever. Anyway, here we go. Here we go. So, Gallinari started off scoring with a long two, contested two. Looked like a three, but it wasn't. Uh, for some reason, OKC didn't manage to score the next eight points, including a shy Gilgis Alexander bucket. So Sixers call timeout. They got to get it together. I think they only had like two points in the quarter. They were doing terrible. The the Philly mascot act like he know how to play. So now, Al Horford had a nice block in the second quarter. And it's pretty solid, and he, he got grabbed a few rebounds. Philly started to come back a little bit. They cut into the lead. Uh, Tobias Harris had a nice pull-up on Al with the shot clock going down. He kind of he started off to the right of the lane and dribbled to the left and then pulled up, contested, elbow jumper. It was nice. It was cool. Uh, so then in the third quarter, Philly actually took the lead. 17-15 because this is 2K and, well, five-minute quarters. So then Gallinari and Tobias Harris was going back and forth. Uh, Gallinari had a big three to put him up one. I think it was 20-19 to 19 at this point. Uh, Tobias Harris had eight and a quarter, including a big steal and dunk. In third quarter, at the end of the third, the Sixers were up one, 21-20. And in the fourth, uh, Steven Adams got the work and scored the first two baskets for OKC. Al Horford had a nice steal. And then uh, Embiid had a highlight block where Ty Jerome was lollygagging in the lane. And he threw up a layup and Embiid clapped it off the backboard. And then he comes back on the other side. Mike Scott got in the post with Ty Jerome on him. Did a nice spin move and layup for the basket. And then... MB got the ball, got fouled by Al Horford, basket in the foul. He made the free throw, and then Al blew another layup with like a minute something to go, and he needed that. They were like down five at this point. Ty Jerome missed a wide-open three in transition, down four with 20 seconds to go. You know, Tobias Harris got fouled again. He missed. He made the first free throw and then missed the second one to go up six. Al got the rebound. But then OKC was lollygagging around. And Gallinari got up a three. He missed. Al had the loose ball foul. That was pretty much the game. Sixers won 33-28. I don't know why Danny Green was interviewed at the end of the game. He did almost nothing. Pretty much nothing. But he got interviewed. Uh, Tobias Harris had 11 points, two rebounds, two steals. Embiid had seven points, nine rebounds, two blocks. Gallinari had 11 points, three rebounds. Steven Adams, four points, 10 rebounds. Al Horford, no points, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. So that's it. The Sixers win 33-28. The mascot wins. Uh, Franklin wins. So, for that, the Horford family donates money to the Sixers Youth Foundation. And then Anna Horford sings, we're from Philly, no one likes us, we don't care, and then sings, fly, Eagles, fly. That's pretty much how it ended up. Uh, looks like Philly wins. Sixers win on 2K, 33-28. Franklin wins for the city of Philly. And that's the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, praise God. Praise God. He woke you up this morning. Started you on your way. So all you got to do is say thank you. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money. Psych, I lied. Here's a little rap for you. <laughs> Not my best work, but here you go. Let's go. Van Pugh. Let's get it. Uh, let's get it. Uh, check it. Won't worry about it either. Won't worry about a chest shot. I'm on the goat level and most of you are just...
just boss. Enter me the rap race, homie, you can just stop. Full speed ahead, you ain't even left a Tesla. And I'll just leave you in a Tesla. Extra disrespect, I don't take well. You'll take L's. One hit from taking over like Blake Bell. Title on the line and I'm taking you out. Blake Snell. You gonna wanna get on my team. Handle one is something sweet. Keep it churning, no ice cream. Me and Feminista Jones. I know it's a pipe dream. She living rent free while I'm staying in place. Once I get this paper back, I'm reclaiming my space. How amazing is my race? Rushing on the edge, man, I play it like Chase. Yeah, too easy.